Welcome to the Motorhome Matt podcast. Caravans, campervans, motorhomes and more. It's the place to get hints, tips and impartial advice from the expert himself, Matt Sims. Brought to you by ThatLeisureShop.com. Join us on the journey with Motorhome Matt. Welcome back to the Motorhome Matt podcast. I'm Keith Gooden. And I'm Motorhome Matt. I ask the questions and Matt, he answers them. Let's get straight in with the news, shall we? So overnight parking vans. This has been a thing quite close to home, isn't it? On the Downs in the centre of Bristol. The Downs is a huge green grassed area right in the centre of Bristol near Clifton. And a restriction has been proposed on the van dwellers there. So people living in a van on the Downs. There are, I think, about 100 of them at the moment. Yeah, there's quite a few people and they are van lifing on the Downs and uh, some of the people who live in the area don't like that. The council doesn't seem to like it very much and they're talking about this parking ban being introduced on the Downs. Isn't it just chasing down people who just want to get on with their life? Well, it seems it, although the uh, Green Councillor who has been involved in this proposal. Uh, And the proposal, interestingly, is a £500 fine if you're caught parking there between 1am and 4am. That's a big fine, isn't it? Right, so yellow lines, you can park after six. Double yellow lines, no, you can't park at all. But but then there's this new bit where you can't park between 1am and 4am. Why can't they just put double yellow lines down? Yeah, well, then you can park there at all. But this is about fining people for parking there so you know i guess making it a very acute restriction the green councillor paula o'rourke representing uh, clifton said i would find it really very hard to just expel the problem elsewhere to other parts of the city what we need to explore is in the meantime is use of campsites we have van dwellers who have nowhere else to live it's a very complicated problem now i accuse paula of pushing this problem elsewhere saying well if you're going to put these parking restrictions in where are they going to go you're just going to move this reality let's not cause it call it a problem it's a reality there are people living in vans that need somewhere to park they choose to park on the downs there's no residence you know right next to it uh, they're not parked outside of anyone's house on most of the area so what's the problem you know it's a big open space uh, and and paula was accused of just you know not NIMBY, not in my backyard. Uh, and she's come back and said, that's not what I'm doing. Uh, so, yeah, Paula, we would love to get you on the podcast. We have emailed you in the past and we have put a call out on the podcast for you to come on. Genuinely, we would love you to come on and talk about this issue uh, and the reality for many that is living in a van. Absolutely. She uh, represents the Clifton Ward, uh, which is the posh bit of uh, Bristol. So you can imagine the pressure <laughs> that she's getting. But then again, on the other hand, Matt, you can't have just people you know, getting in a van and bowling up in the middle of Bristol and parking there for the rest of their lives, can you? Why not? Well, because they're surrounded by neighbours who live in houses who might not like what's happening in their neighbourhood. Yeah, well, we have to rub along together, don't we? So there needs to be a provision, I think, is the reality. And, you know, the folks that live there probably work in the city. And, you know, there's reports of people being, you know, observed dressing in a suit and tie and going to a civilised job during the day. You know, these are not homeless people as such. The van is their home. And they have paid employment And they probably work in the city and they want to walk to work. Well, that's a good thing. Uh, The issue is the perception of these vans. And there is some mess there, I have to say. There's some really tired caravans, some pretty knackered old worn-out vans as well. Uh, and they're saying that if there's no number plate and, and it's not road legal, it'll be towed away. And Well, you've you know, got to have, have a number plate. You've got to be road legal. Haven't absolutely, you? Yeah. yeah. And there are caravans there with not attached to a car. 
And that's a different issue, isn't it? That's about the vehicle being roadworthy. Um, and I kind of go, well, yeah, fair enough. You're parked on the road. Uh, and so what's being said is we need to find sites where these people can live. And in a city like Bristol, where space is of a premium, where's that? So it's, a, it's as Paula says, it's a complicated issue. I'd love to have a chat with her about it. And on that issue of where people park, why our borough council have provided a breakdown of the yearly revenue for the last five years that they've received by allowing overnight parking for motorhomes and camper vans in the central car park. This is very, very interesting. They started halfway through 2018. When I say halfway through, I'm talking about the financial year, um, April to April. And they brought in £355 for 70 people who parked in 2017-18 from October through to March the next year. Let's fast forward to 2020-2021. 737 motorhomers and campers got into the car park and paid £4,625. That's pretty good when it started off at £355. double. The year after, that jumped in 2021-22 to (laughs) £19,065, which is a fourfold increase. 2,962 people had heard about it and used the central car park. And just last year, that's up to April through to March. So that's 2022, April 2022 to March 23. It's 25,915 pounds. And so far this year, up to the last month where figures were available, which is July, that's 10 grand. So it's going to jump again and what a good idea people obviously like this idea don't they absolutely yeah and and the point i think this report was a a request for uh, under the freedom of information act uh, and campra published it the campaign for real airs so uh, places that you can park up uh, and not make an encampment so you literally just park and sleep but this is fascinating and this is a real world uh, kind of case study for other councils i suggest to consider using those car parks that would otherwise be empty at night to allow motorhomes to park there and make it an income stream. And bear in mind, these people are not paying very much money you know, to park there. If you do, if you do the maths, you know, they're paying a few pounds to park there each night. Uh, it's, it's remarkable. And as you say, this year, £10,000 has been raised. We're only on month four. So yep. you know, we're on for 30 grand um, and, and th- 3,500 people or more, 4,500 people. So, yeah, this is obviously... A, I think a brilliant case study uh, and one that council should be taking notice of. Perhaps Paula should have a look at it. And the question that I ask is, since 2017-18 and now, have the facilities been improved? What are the facilities uh, like there in Central Car Park for motorhomers and uh, uh, van lifers? Well, there's normally none. I mean, it says on this report that additional facilities, including a sluice for foul water disposal, are planned to be introduced in the coming weeks although this will be met from the parking income. Well, so they're going to put a sewage access point in for wastewater uh, and hopefully for dirty water or foul water, so yeah, toilets. So there are no facilities, yet they've raised 25 grand last year. They have. Uh, I'm grand. just doing a quick calculation. £67,000 so far, there or thereabouts. That's pretty good, isn't it? That's not bad. So I'd get that foul water and sluice uh, drain in there as quickly as I possibly could if I were you. I mean, we just haven't wired this up in this country. Parking up in a motorhome is a challenge, uh, and there are more and more restrictions being imposed on us, particularly of areas of outstanding natural beauty, and it just feels that we're being squeezed out. But it's the wrong way to go. You know, we, motorhomes need to be embraced. You know, 99.9% of us are a sensible bunch of people, 
uh, and we will behave ourselves and we will obey the rules. Most of us love rules. We like doing it the right way. Uh, and councils need to engage with this. Uh, and I think this is a brilliant case study as why they should as well. Well, it's hugely successful. For well, it's a well-done wire borough council. Yeah. But spend some of that money <clears throat> on facilities. But, you know, what m- turns people into van lifers, rent rises, uh, the increase yeah. in uh, the cost of living and mortgages, and more and more people uh, turning to it. And the argument, of course, against it is these people don't pay council tax. Well, <laughs> that's true. They don't. But it was on Wake Up to Money the other morning on Radio 5 Live the way rents have risen, I think it was 12%, uh, and landlords are kind of exiting the property market and selling off their own rental properties because the government have withdrawn the tax benefits. Uh, and so the property market is shrinking, and thus rents are going up, making living in bricks and mortar more and more expensive. So a van or a boat becomes a very acceptable and attractive alternative. It's the Motorhome Matt podcast with me, Keith Gooden. And me, Motorhome Matt. Brought to you by thatleisureshop.com. Let's talk about Auto Glim cleaning kits, winterising. Now, oh. this, ho, 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 is a good <laughs> Christmas gift. I love this. Every year, I get given Auto Glim product for Christmas, and I love it. It's really good. They make a fantastic range of car cleaning and car care products. This is uh, bodywork and accessories. So, this is a, a bodywork shampoo and conditioner. Just see you rubbing this on your head. Uh, and a super resin polish. Oh, lovely. <laughs> Don't drink it all at once. It comes with a high-tech finishing cloth uh, and a perfect polish applicator. So I don't know if you've ever used Autoglim products on your car, uh, but they work perfectly too on a motorhome. They make a range of motorhome and caravan-specific products too. So a glass polish that's perfect for plastic windows because glass polish can be quite abrasive, so you shouldn't use it on plastic windows. Um, but, yeah, this is an example of the Autoglim stuff that we sell at that leisure shop and one to go for if you're looking for a Christmas present. Only eighteen ninety nine. A bargain. And, and there's a sell on. Drain down kits. So what's that then? For we your winterizing. So these are an essential for any motorhome, camper van, caravan or static caravan it's a flow drain down kit so that getting the water out of your leisure vehicle for the winter is the most crucial thing you can do really important and these kits help you do it they come with a dvd people still got a dvd player i have um, i'm sure i'm sure the videos are now on their website um, they'll catch up uh, but they are really really good and easy to install you just interrupt the water supply and drain the water out of your leisure vehicle there's different types depending on whether you've got a British motorhome, a European motorhome, a caravan or a static caravan. And we sell them all in the shop. Um, and the other thing to do, of course, before you put your motorhome or caravan away for the winter is to clean it. So hence the Autoglim product. Give it a clean. It seems daft to clean it uh, and prep it for winter clean. Once a year, just give it a coat of wax. It takes a little time, but it helps protect the paint from bird lime, tree sap. Uh, keeps it all clean. Even if you're going to put a cover on it, I would always recommend cleaning it first, and then you're not going to risk getting it scratched as you drag the cover over the windows. Welcome back to the Motorhome Matt podcast with me, Keith Gooden. And me, Motorhome Matt. Brought to you by thatleisureshop.com. The main part uh, of this podcast this week is our friend Darren, the urban motorhomer. Dazza. Yeah, we love Darren, as so many people do. We're talking this week about park-ups, and particularly urban park-ups, so parking in a town or city and the restrictions that come on that, uh, perhaps. Well, Darren's been doing it for years, and he's spent every night living in his motorhome in a town or city. And you've recently been touring Europe as well. I have, yeah. I've done my first little tour around there. I've dipped my toe in. I wanted to just see what it was like. I just didn't plan it at all. Just no. went 
Um, I didn't take really much advice either because I wanted to mess up and you know see it as people that haven't been before and wanted to you know experience that. Did you mess up? Not really. I mean, there's not really much to mess up. I learned a few things, and but yeah, it was pretty easy, really. And once you're over there, the airs and parking and things are just amazing. Yes, so easy, so easy. Yeah, we've a lot to learn in this country, haven't we? We, we haven't worn it up in our heads, it seems, have we? Uh, do you know what? I was I've said this multiple times in the videos when I was over there. There's just you only need like a a three foot post, and it's about a, a, a one and a half foot square on the on the bottom, and that can hold all the services we need. That is it. Because yeah. it will have a fresh water tap, and uh, another another tap just for cleaning your hands. It can have the the black tank disposal, the Elson point, and and even a little drain grate when you pull near it. It's it's all you need. Yeah, and it's just literally a post. You also need the permission of the landowner, though, don't you? That's the key. Hundred percent. But I mean, we've got you know how many services have we got in in the country on the motorways? I mean, you know, they they love earning a pound coin. They could they could easily earn a pound coin a time for putting your thing down there, and they've got the infrastructure there. They've got all the piping on the floors under the ground. Why haven't we done it? Do you think? I don't know. I just think we're not. I don't know. Did we just more go away on holiday? Like go to Butlin Centre Parks, go to Spain, go to thing? Was it more that? I don't know. We just and they just don't think about it, or they just don't want big vehicles in the area or I don't know I really don't well of course you're in a big vehicle yeah. for those of you that don't know Darren he lives in his motorhome full time and you've been doing that for four years no uh, coming March will be seven years seven years why seven years full time in the motorhome the only times I'm not is when I'm on business trips in hotels and things like that but yeah pretty much 99% of the time of seven years so I want to talk about your experience of living in the motorhome and parking up you you have the, the youtube name the urban motorhome yep. and you were kind of focused on parking up in urban areas because of work yeah. i guess but how did it all begin what what inspired you to do this i was living at my mum's and then i went to a bushcrafter meet it was like a little weekend bushcrafting and i had a hammock uh, not a hammock hammock's not strong enough for me <laughs> i had i had a tarp and then i was sleeping <laughs> on the bottom uh, on the floor i'm never never gonna trust a hammock ever I'd love to see this. I mean, they've got to be great trees, they have. They've got to be some sturdy trees. <laughs> so I went there and I met um, a few people there. My mate Pete, who's now bought my old motorhome, but he had a van and he was converting it. And that was my first ever introduction into people living in vehicles. I met a few other people there and then I started then going away researching. And I thought, well, okay, they're building their own. I, I can't, I've got no skills I've got no tools and I've got no place to put something when I build it and I probably wouldn't finish it and it would just be yeah just a waste of money and a waste of time so then I started looking at motorhomes and I set my budget at like I don't know £7,000 or something and then that creeped up and I thought well if I just got a little bit more I get this and if I just got a little bit more I get this and then it creeped up to about just shy of 20 grand from wow. set from seven and yeah I just then started hunting around looking around and I thought that would be a great idea and I just told my mum I was going to look for a motorhome to move in and she thought it was just like one of her brain ideas and then yeah bought, went and found a motorhome in Cheddar not far from your, yeah. your neck of the woods bought it and then moved in within a weekend and that was it rest is history but why did you want to live in it full time what inspired you to do that driving doing a driving job I had a lorry license but I wasn't actually using the lorry license at the time because I had no experience but I was working at a company to then try and get in their good books and you know then move up so I was earning a good wage but I was doing a lot of hours and I was thinking well if I go get a house that's just 
it's ex- I'm just swapping one for the other. I'm already living in a house at my mum's, and I'm not there that much anyway because I was always working. So I was thinking, well, what's what's the point of paying someone else's mortgage and paying else, someone else some rent when I could just own something myself and mm-hmm. and then drive it, jump in. And, and I love traveling. I, I'm I'm not exactly the most conventional person. I'm not. You know, I don't really want to conform, but I'm not one of the little hippie rebels or something that's going to tie myself to a tree or glue my face to the floor or something. I do a little bit of things outside the outside the norm, and, and that was it. I was just like, what? give it a go, why not? So is that your your main driver, was just to live differently? It wasn't a, a financial motivation? No, I mean, I didn't want to waste money, so I've, I've never, up until this point, apart from my mum, I've never paid anyone rent. I've only paid her rent. It's whatever she asked, you always give. I mean, mm. she'll kneecap you. You know, you don't you don't mess with your mum. Uh, I just didn't want to, you know, waste waste my money really. And I thought, well, it'll be a great experience. I can travel around if I don't, you know, like somewhere. I'll just go somewhere else. I could do more travel. I can be with my friends more. And yeah, it was just. I just thought it'd be a good idea. I didn't really put much thought into it. <laughs> to be fair. I think that's a character trait, isn't it, for you generally? Yeah, it kind of is. I'll just, oh, that would be a good idea. Let's do that. And then, yeah, and just but this it. one worked. Yeah, bingo. <laughs> so you and I have both had a lot of exposure to uh, discussion panels around solo female travelling. At all the shows we've been to, yep. there's there's often um, a group of women who are on stage talking about travelling on their own, uh, and I take my hat off to them. Yeah. Um, and it's become a big thing. But do you think it's a big thing? to talk about solo male travel is it just accepted is it easier is it a thing i respect the women i know plenty of them um they're fantastic women and they they do amazing jobs and and you know they they're amazing i've parked up in some pretty sketchy places before and then i'm like mm, this ain't this ain't good you know and i've moved and i you know i probably wouldn't i don't really park in laybys because obviously people know that you are in that vehicle because you've stopped on the middle of a, mo- a motorway or a dual carriageway, so mm. you, you haven't walked off really, and that's very rare. So you are vulnerable on your own. And to be fair, I mean, I am the urban motorhome, and I do park a lot of urban, and I'm completely at home in the cities, in, in towns and, and all that, and streets. But I do get a bit... Mm, I, I don't really park right out in the wild. I'm, I, I'm slowly learning that. Because I, well, I was parking for work, that's why I was urban. And that's where I feel most comfortable. I'm around people. If something kicks off, you know, some bit of screaming, bit of hollering, bit of bibbing. Someone's going to hear it within a minute or two. Um, not so they're going to help me, but they're going to hear it. They'll probably video it. You know, you just, you just feel a bit safer. Yeah. But I know I see people. You know, I've got plenty of mates, and they go park out in the middle of nowhere in nature, which is beautiful. But I mean, you know, the boogeyman could be out there. The boogeyman. Now you did say to me when you came to our house, we live in a pretty rural location and you said to me you felt more vulnerable in a in a location like that than you would in the city i mean our our house is pretty safe some of our neighbors leave the keys in the ignitions of their car at night um and you know rarely are our front doors locked it's you want his address (laughs) just send me send me some money and i'll uh... the cars are rubbish you're all right (laughs) yeah no i i honestly do feel a bit more vulnerable out there and um i mean when i was out in france i was doing a lot more rural and a bit more out in the country and that yeah. and you know I was like I had my cameras on a lot because you know you, you're you on your own like and I get I get the whole female thing because and I'm not stereotyping I don't mean but you know they are smaller than me most are smaller than me and, and you know as a whole men are stronger not 
physically, not mentally or anything like that, but just in a fight, you know. But some guy comes along or a car of people come along, car of four lads come along, what am I going to do? Mm. You know, so that is in in your mind somewhere, but you can't really shout that, and you couldn't go. Well, I need a stage to talk about solo mail travel because it just wouldn't work. No, I get that, and I and I think that's a shame because I can imagine there are lots of men listening to this, um, or, or maybe not listening to this, but are in a a quandary about doing it, and it's still is it it's still a brave move to take, is it not? Hundred percent. I mean, I my very first moment at home, I put CCTV on there straight away because I wanted to see what was outside without showing myself inside the vehicle. It, you know, you you're inside and you hear something out there. And it sounds like World War Three is kicking off, but really it's a kid kicking a can down the street. Mm. But your mind, because you can't see it, and your mind's got that little thriller movie or scary movie that you've had in the back of your mind from years ago or something you bring up the worst case scenarios and then your body does start and your brain does start thinking well yeah what if someone is out there you know and that will happen to everyone male or female it doesn't matter best way to start is um, I'd probably say uh, pub stops uh, if you want to you know get out there and start and then just slowly work your way out and then maybe supermarket car parks and and things like that because you are still you're then further away from people but you still got people you know. And what would you say to someone, Dan, who is thinking, like you were, looking at buying a motorhome, the first lesson you learned, it seems you needed a bigger budget, uh, even for the first motorhome you had, and it wasn't new, was it? No. But to someone who's in that position, a, a man, uh, a guy, who is considering doing it, and for some reason they're hesitating, and they might not be sure why, what would you say to them? I would say just, yeah, just, just literally go for it go for it save as much as you can get 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 the finances together study the layouts study layouts completely and be honest with your lifestyle you know a lot of people think they're going to you know jump into a van and they're going to go find some nice mountains and all this and they're going to start rock climbing and everything and abseiling and <laughs> seriously I ain't doing that you know you, honestly the amount of people that are probably listening to this and watching this you ain't doing that yeah you really ain't you're going to sit on the sofa and watch Netflix and go it's amazing out there take a few pictures and go wow I love this travel malarkey <laughs> I mean that's be honest that's brutally honest right come on so you, if you're going to you know do that then you need a nice sofa if you ain't got a nice sofa, you're just going to be annoyed, you know, because you've got all this rock climbing gear and you ain't using it. But yeah, layout is is king. It really is with motorhomes and camper vans. And then, yeah, just do it because at the end of the day, the market on, as long as you don't mess up your motorhome, the market to sell it again, to resell it, if you if you, if it all fails and you don't like it and, you, you know, it's not for you, you can sell it. And there's banks out there that would love to get you in debt. And there's there's people out there that would love to rent their house to you. So you can always go back. Mm. You can always go back. I want to talk to you about parking restrictions. So you are parking up in these urban locations. Yep. We seem to have an, an increasing number of places that most homes are not welcome. Um, what's been your experience of this as someone who's trying to find somewhere to stop every day? Yeah, I have found that a lot of places are getting height barriers or they're just getting, you know, double yellow lines now and things like that and just just signs, no parking. I think it's because people take the mick. You know, I've got a list of park-ups in my old area where I was working of about probably 30, 40 park-ups. And I'd go to one and then I wouldn't go back to that for a week or two, you know, because I don't want to burn it out. And I managed to park up in my local area where I was working for five years without a knock 
Never had a knock on the door. Never had a knock on the door. I, I had one actually, and I was in the bed and I couldn't clamber down quick enough. They walked off. I don't right. know. I don't know who it was. I don't know what they wanted. I'll never know. But yeah, so I successfully done that in urban areas, outside people's houses, in people's streets. You know, I park legal. I park polite. If there's rubbish, I'll clean it up because I don't want them tiring me with that brush. Mm. And never had the knock. So I didn't. I clearly didn't burn out the spots. Um, I clearly was no nuisance to the neighbours. Um, and they didn't notice me, you know. If you are like that, then these spots are just going to be left on, you know, going to be left for us to use. But when people start, you know, getting their deck chairs out, you know, putting their little hats on, getting the sun cream on, and you know, sitting there going, "This is great," with the barbecue going, mate, that's not going to work. That's outside like twenty three Dorset Close. Yeah, that's not going to. Yeah, I feel sorry for twenty three Dorset Close. Um, I've no idea where that is. No. <laughs> But so you have to be quite strategic then, do you, about parking up? Yeah, I mean, I'll park, I, 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 you know, I like ends of houses where people, again, there's no windows, no one can see you, there's a bush. If there's big bushes, that, again, it blocks you. When I park up in these places, you know, my blinds are down, curtains are drawn, and it's, it, I, you know, it, I used to have the steering lock, but now I've got the blinds at the front. So um, people will just think, oh, someone's visiting the neighbours, mm. you know, and then if you're gone, you know, by lunchtime next day, next day they're already gone to work so by the time they come back from work in five o'clock in the evening you're gone you're on to the next spot you know even if you're one street over they don't see you people are very in their routines but if you get in the way of their routine or if you you're there for longer mm-hmm. you know then they spot you and then they, then they take interest and then it's like if you're having again it's one of them things if you're doing something that they can't or you're having fun and they're not they don't like that no, people sure. don't like that as a whole do they no. so then they start moaning and then, then things happen and then if enough people moan then the council just come along if they can either make money or they just want to stop that complaint in, in you know nip it in the bud they just put a sign up yeah. and that's it they don't have to have them if 50 complaints come in a month or a year if they put a sign up that stop them 50 complaints isn't it but a lot of the places I'm finding that have got now got restrictions on them have not been abused They've not had loads of people taking advantage of it. Do you, have we got a culture where most homes just aren't welcome? Is that What's the problem? You're tired with a brush, aren't you? Mm. People just assume you're just going to be wrecking the place. Um, and, and yet we're not, we're not really a friendly nation to motorhomes, campervans and, and then vehicles. I don't know why. Because if they were, they could be a, you know, I know it doesn't, shouldn't all boil down to money, but there's a lot of money that, you know, local councils and local businesses could make. Yeah. I'm in the local towns in France. Every morning I'd go to the bakery, you know. It's only a couple of euros, but it's a couple of euros in their pocket. I'd never guessed that that's what you did every morning. <laughs> I was getting a salad, mate. A salad? A salad. From a bakery? They do good salads. Apparently, hopefully, <laughs> <laughs> no, they do good French sticks. Baguettes. So now you're you've quit your job. So the YouTube channel you've got and the associated income that that gives you yep. uh, from all the other stuff you're doing as well has meant that you can quit full time gainful employment, yeah. as, as your mum would probably call it. Yeah. Uh, and oh no, she thought I was lazy. I'm a lorry driver. She thought I was just oh, you're only sitting there pushing the steering wheel. 
So you're not driving the lorry anymore. So you can go anywhere. So where is your future? What is the future for Darren, the urban motown? What have you got planned for next year and beyond? Yeah, so this is the hardest part I'm finding now is is actually managing a calendar because it's like, because I do a lot of shows, do a lot of talks, um, do a lot of festivals and all that. So it is really trying to balance all that. Um, So next year, I want to go to Europe a bit. I want to go to Belgium and Germany. Mm-hmm. I'm then going to be on the the Warner circuit. I'll be doing a lot of talks at Warner's next year, um, all their shows, a lot, lot more festivals, and then later in the year I might I might go on a little holiday. I might go on a little holiday to Asia. Not in the motorhome. Not in the motorhome. No, I might just take a a little trip because yeah. it is traveling. You know, traveling full time constantly and doing the, you know, I mean, you do these with with the, with, the, with the shop. You know, coming to show after show after show after show and doing talks does take it out of you yeah. but I'm loving it I am loving it and I'm I'm ever so grateful that I'm in the position that people watch my channel watch my videos and support it by watching it um, and that gives me an income to thingy which I'm slowly building I don't want to be a millionaire I just want to be able to pay my bills a bit of extra for chicken wings and, and, then, and then pay the guys that help me run the channel and that you know and that's really it and what can we expect to see on the channel then next year Darren a lot more videos for travel um, I've got a fishing channel coming up as well um, that's starting and a food channel coming as, uh, coming next year as well right. going to try and do lots of stuff in different areas do lots of food stuff and travel and uh, yeah just do some wacky stuff now we've talked together about your book yes. the one that's in your head Yes. Do you think you're going to get around to that? This winter. So are you going to write the book this winter? Yes, I'm going to get the book done. I've got a few other things I want to get done. I want to be really productive this winter, ready for next year. And so what's what's the book about? The book is about park-ups. I don't want to say I'm a guru because I don't like that term, but I'm confident I've mastered park-ups. I mean, I've never had a knock. So, you know, almost seven years in and I've never had a knock and never really annoyed anyone and it works. So I, I, I kind of know what I'm talking about. Is that what we're going to call it? How not to get the knock? Yeah, it's, it's along them lines, yeah. How not to get the knock, yeah. P- uh, parking, uh, mastering uh, parking your uh, motorhome while, while wild camping. Because a lot of people want to do it, but they just, they're, they're scared. They're, they don't know how to do the first step and yeah. all this and that. And, and there's a few things to take into account. Um, I mean, I've done a lot of videos on the channel where I literally put the camera in front of the windscreen and one at me and I just drive around going I would park there I would park there I wouldn't park there mm. and people yeah, I've love seen that. it yeah. it's good it's good and I think that's going to be a really interesting book because yes. for someone who's considering doing this male female couple doesn't matter with yeah. the family I think if, if you're choosing not to stay on campsites because some let's face it are becoming very expensive yeah. this could be a, a real way of traveling couldn't it a hundred percent yeah and if you do it right then there's no reason for one you to be scared two you could get the knock and three for the park ups to be burnt out yeah. so it helps everyone you know you can then put a bit more money into the local you know you can go to a local butcher buy buy whatever you're buying there because you're in that local town which is great and then every now and again you go to a campsite yeah. so everyone wins like you buy a salad yeah buy a salad <laughs> now Clearly one more works. question one more question I have to ask this yep is there a Mrs. Urban Motorhome <laughs> I get this question quite a lot is there a Mrs. Motorhome well I can't even say it um, no, there isn't. No, there isn't. Is <laughs> drop, there going to be? Drop your comments. Drop your numbers below. <laughs>
Mate, it's great to see you. Always really good to see you. Your laugh is infectious. You have a huge amount of energy and you're such a great ambassador for this pastime we love. Yeah. Uh, and I take my hat off to you, mate. As you've, you've really nailed it. Um, and I wish you a brilliant hibernation this winter uh, and look forward to seeing you all the Warner shows next year. Thanks again, mate. Cheers, mate. Can't wait. That's Darren at the Urban Motorhome. Got a lot to say for himself there, Matt. <laughs> He's lovely. We love Darren. He's a good friend of the podcast uh, and an inspiration as well, particularly for men looking to travel on their own uh, and get away in a motorhome and, and just do it. Well, you hear a lot about women travelling on their own, but is, is van lifing, is motorhoming on your own a big thing? Uh, I think it's increasingly become a big thing uh, because it's become more and more accessible and it's the freedom it gives people to travel. If you're in a relationship with someone, they don't always want to go to the same place as you, do they? So, you know, you just leave them at home, go off on your own, why not? Um, we've got an episode coming up soon with the lovely Siobhan Daniels where we talk about her experience of many years now living in a motel and travelling on her own. And I want to ask her about some of the you know, challenges she faced and was there any concerns that she had about doing it? Because people do have them, you know, people are, do worry about it. Yeah, the first thing that you think of is with, with women travelling on their home, that, you know, we shouldn't think this way, but we do. Is there a risk that, to them? But men, you know, as well, there's a, a, a risk <coughs> to them. They, they can be greeted suspiciously by others, can't they? Uh, but Darren would say, if you're thinking of doing it, just go for it, just do it. And you know, keep a low profile, as you probably would at home in a bricks and mortar. Um, and you know, he has got some real good hints and tips on how to find a park-up that isn't going to get you the knock, as he calls it. Um, and you know, that's the one. Hello! <laughs> Take them up. Anybody in? Uh, but for women travelling on their own, there's, I think there's a perceived higher level of risk. Uh, and it certainly has been a big topic at the shows. And there are an increasing number of people who are on YouTube or on Instagram who are single, solo female travellers. And they all love it. And I'm not aware that any of them have really had a massive issue with this. So, And it takes know. us back, doesn't it, to the news item we're talking about there, about the uh, uh, parking overnight in in Bristol and Wireborough Council and the way they've made their central car park open to motorhomers throughout the, the night. If you're travelling on your own, there are a range of things you can do, aren't there? Yeah, of course, and parking in a group will be one of them. Hence these kind of settlements, if we can we call them that, have appeared and bubbled up, you know, where people are grouping together and it's formed a sense of community. You know, as human beings, we love to bond and form communities and that's what's happened and, you know, the risk is, is this is being pushed away. It's the Motorhome Matt podcast with me, Keith Gooden. And me, Motorhome Matt. Brought to you by thatleisureshop.com. Let us get into the Q&A. But first, before we do... A little bit of a new thing here. Some of our reviews that you've been leaving us. And thank you very much uh, for that. Here's a review from at BJT81. We've not purchased a motorhome yet, but this podcast has provided us with all the insight and confidence we need to start the adventure with our young family. Yeah. Matt and Keith, but mostly Keith, are heroes. <laughs> removing the fears of the open road and replacing with a real sense of excitement. That's only because you've got your pants on the outside of your trousers. Thanks very much to the team for a great podcast oh bless them yeah that's brilliant thanks very much for that you can send your review to mhmp.info forward slash review that's mhmp motorhome map podcast dot info forward slash review there you go see not all heroes wear capes hey (laughs) it's a big harrow to colin coulthard get it he lives in harrow do you get it question for your ev event 
Will there be realistic options to convert diesel-powered motorhomes to electric? In-wheel motors, where would you store the batteries safely? Be interested in the answer. Thanks for your question, Colin. Great to hear from you, as always. So, yeah, Colin, we did include that in our session at the Southwest Motorhome Campervan Show. Uh, John Gooch and I were on stage talking about this very topic, the future of electric motorhomes. And John reckons there are options out there already to uh, change the drivetrain. I mean, there are lots of companies out there converting classic cars from petrol or diesel to electric-powered drive, uh, either a power plant at the front or in-wheel motors. So they do exist. And the question that I raise is, how would you ensure it? And we went to Caravan Guard with the question, and they said we would want to see professional qualification of those that have done it, um, evidence of how it had been done, and they would do it on a case-by-case review. They had not ensured anything that had been converted yet from diesel to electric. So I think the technology is out there. It's probably quite expensive, I'm not sure. Uh, But there are people pioneering this, and particularly classic cars, um, just to keep them alive. And they're doing them for a bit of fun, really, and there's some great YouTube content on this. So the answer, Colin, is yes, there is already, and I think there will be more and more of them. Jonathan Passmore's in Lancaster. He says EVs are heavy, typically three to four hundred kilograms heavier than equivalent cars, and it is already challenging to stay below three and a half thousand kilograms. Mm. Will nearly everyone need a C1 license? Well, it's interesting. The Bailey Endeavour EV that we were driving just a few weeks ago uh, is 752 kilograms heavier than the diesel Transit, just because of the battery. So it's, it's a bigger impact than you, than you state, Jonathan. So it's interesting to note that. Electric vans can be 4,250 kilograms as a gross weight, uh, so up-plated from the 3.5 tonne, giving you the capability of carrying those batteries and retaining a payload. So will everyone need C1? Well, if the rules don't change and motorhomes are allowed to be 4,250, then perhaps, yeah. But, of course, the C1 is under review at government still. Still no news on that, I'm afraid. Possibly, yes, but I, that's unrealistic, isn't it? So the motems are likely to end up you know, being part of that 4250 ruling. Um, and, of course, battery technology is going to improve and get lighter, and we're going to be able to go further. So I would say it's still too early to make decisions about what licensing we need. You know, stay, stay put and watch what's happening. Thanks for the question there, Jonathan. Chris Morrison, hi Matt, Chris says, spoke to you the other day at Warner's show about having a British dog versus a European dog while travelling through Europe. Do you need more than one certificate to cross borders? You mean border cross? (laughs) Does it make a difference if the dog is British or European, say if you bought a dog while travelling? Mm, very good. Chris, it was lovely to meet you and your partner. Uh, we were at the Lincoln Show and Chris came and said hello. Uh, I did actually forward your question, Chris, to the TV vet, Dr James Greenwood. And James very kindly came back and said, the animal health certificate covers four months onward travel within the EU. On the specifics, it can be hard to give advice as it depends on which countries and whether they are within the EU and also depends on the age of the dog. My advice for specific queries where it's hard to give exact advice without details of the trip or circumstances would be to always contact the government pet travel helpline to avoid any mistakes. And then James kindly shares who they are and where you can get in touch with them. It's the Pet Travel Scheme Helpline. They are on pettravel at apha.gov.uk. And there's a telephone number for them as well. It's 0370 241 
1710. James, thank you so much for that. It's really helpful. And hopefully, Chris, you can find the answer you need from those guys. I'll just repeat those details. Pet Travel Scheme Helpline. It's Pet Travel, that's P-E-T-T-R-A-V-E-L, one word, at APHA.gov.uk. Telephone number is 0370-241-1710. How do people get in touch and ask you a question? Really easily. You can go to mhmp.info forward slash askmatt. And we would love to know if you're travelling on your own further to the content of this episode, would you let us know at mhmp.info forward slash askmatt because we want to build up some comment for a future episode. And if they want to share... You can do that if you have a friend that you think might find this episode helpful or any of the episodes we've done helpful or useful or even just entertaining, then please would you share it with them. Send them the link. It would help spread the popularity of the podcast, which is something we're really keen to try and do. And you can subscribe and like as well, can't you? You can. If you're on YouTube or any of the podcast platforms, please make sure you hit subscribe and follow and then you'll be alerted to when we release new content. Thanks for listening to the Motorhome Matt podcast. Remember to check back here for more episodes full of hints and tips and helpful advice. We'll see you soon for another Motorhome Matt podcast brought to you with thatleisureshop.com. Music.